as the children are walking back to Children's Church, I encourage you to open up to the book of John. See you later. Okay. He didn't want me imitating him. If you guys will open up to page 886 in your pew Bible or uh, John 1, we're going to look at verses uh, 9 through 13 this morning. A continuation through the book of John. Before we do that, let me open up in a word of prayer and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and open our eyes and ears to hear his word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together corporately. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word preached. I pray that you would use your word to pierce hearts, to change souls from life, uh, from death to life. God, I pray that you would um, encourage souls that have been made alive to follow you and to obey you. Lord, we pray that your word would go forth and accomplish the mission that you've set us to accomplish. We thank you for this day. We ask that you would be glorified and that you would uh, be made much of, that you would receive all the glory for our worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to look at just a few verses in the first chapter of John. What I'd like for you guys to take away from uh, this is three things this morning. Uh, One, uh, that the power of the light, the power of the light. We're going to be looking at the true light that enlightens everyone. Uh, And so we're going to look at the power that that light has. And then the second idea is the darkness of man's soul. Um, Jesus came into the world, but some did not receive him. And so we're going to look at why that is and look at the darkness of our hearts and, and our souls. And then the third point that we'll look at this morning is our grace-based, faith-filled adoption. Our grace-based, faith-filled adoption. Uh, how God gave us the rights to become children of God. So let's look at the, the Word of God this morning. It is John 1, 9 through 13. You've heard us say this over and over again, but I hope it's as true today as it is every time that you hear it, that you remember that this is really the Word of God, that it is alive, um, it is breathed out by God Himself so that we might take it in, so that it may give us life, so that it may set us free from sin. It is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes, not only for the Jew, but also the Gentile. Hear God's word this morning. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Blessed be the reading 
of God's Word. I think the first thing I want to look at is the power of the true light. The power of that light. You know, John doesn't mention the name of Jesus until uh, all the way over in verse uh, 29, I think, in this chapter. But it's pretty obvious that he's talking about Jesus. We've already talked about Jesus as the Word. We've talked about the light. Uh, now we're talking about the true light. And, and he's referring to Jesus here. He's referring to Jesus as the true light that enlightens everyone. So we're going to take a little deeper look into exactly what that means and, and what kind of power this true light has. Think for a moment with me about light and dark. Um, our younger youth group has, has been doing that as they look through the Narnia series. As C.S. Lewis, they've talked about the contrast of light and dark. It's a contrast that we all experience every day, isn't it? There's, there's uh, darkness and then there is light. Maybe... Maybe we don't think about it until there's a natural disaster or a hurricane or an afternoon thunderstorm where we lose power. And then it kind of, we're startled back into reality that, oh, things can go dark rather quickly. Have you ever spent a night, we were talking about this as we were participating in the living nativity, when you camp out in the woods and there's no light, and you can just see the brilliance of the stars in the sky, right? You notice the sharp contrast between darkness and light. Well, what I want to look at today is the, the idea that there's a real difference between true light and a false light. The true light and a false light. I think here in John there's a description not only of a physical reality of the darkness we experience, but especially looking at a, a spiritual description. But I think both are being explained. You know, we've all been in both places. We've all been in physical darkness, and we've all been in spiritual darkness. I want to look a little bit at what that's like. Think about physical darkness with me. You know, darkness isn't all bad, is it? If, if, we look, if we look at physical darkness for the reasons that it was intended, it's actually pretty good. Makes it easier to sleep, right? When, when the lights, when the earth settles down and, and the sun goes uh, to sleep and everything gets dark, if you don't have a bunch of lights on, you can just doze off to sleep. It, it, it also gives you relief from the hot summer sun, right? When the sun fades into the ocean, you don't have the heat to, to deal with. I'm sure there are thousands of other benefits of the darkness. But the darkness also presents us with a lot of problems. Problems that we don't really uh, necessarily want to admit. But even, even physical darkness calls us to doubt our security, right? Have you ever been out in the middle of the Ocala National Forest, lost and completely dark? You'll start to doubt your security. I uh, wonder what's out there. 
wonder if I'm okay. Uh, where's the truck? How am I going to get there? We often feel lonely or afraid. We often let fear leak in when we're stuck in the darkness with no light. Because we start to realize there's no power there. We start to realize that in the darkness, there's no power. There's no power where there's no light. That's a physical reality. Think about it. No electricity, no power. Uh, No gas in the generator, no power. No batteries in the flashlight, no power. Where there's darkness, there's no power. Spiritual darkness, on the other hand, tells us a lie to make us feel like everything is okay. We're actually drawn to the darkness. We're actually drawn to things that won't last because we're tempted to trust in our earthly, selfish, self-centered, satisfaction, entertainment-minded souls. You see, items that have no hope but only to offer a short burst of, of relief or satisfaction always lead us to wanting more and more and more. What happens on the last day of football season? Man, that's another whole summer till football? I know, see, right? Rico, Rico gets it. What happens when your favorite TV series ends? What? Cliffhanger. I want more. But also what happens is you become less and less satisfied. The more you long for it, the more you need of it, the less satisfied you are with what you have, with what you're doing, because the darkness is all-consuming, and it will cause you to travel places that are far away from the light. You see, what you're really learning to do is you're really learning to hide and to conceal and to cover up in hopes that no light will get in and expose the darkness you're really grappling over in your life that's leading you to yearn for those things in the first place. Here's the difference between the true light and the false light. The false light can go out. The false light has no power, remember, no eternal power anyway, because it's connected to an uneternal power source. Your living room lights, they can go out. Your generator runs out, everything it runs can go out. You see, there's only one true light. The light John's talking about, the true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world, and that is King Jesus. Actually, the Bible tells us that the true light is what we really long for. In Revelation 22, it says that it's actually all we really need. In the new heavens and the new earth, Jesus is the only light we will need. There'll be no more need for sun or moon or any other light. The only light we will have is the true light. Jesus, the glory of God, will shine so brightly 
and display for us the truth that we long for, the reality that we need to see, and the wonder that we'll want to live with. You see, the amazing truth of this verse is that the true light gives light to everyone was coming into the world, was coming into this world of brokenness and darkness where temporary light was the only thing available. The sun, the moon, the stars, the fires that we can create, the flashlights, electricity, every form of earthly light that we can experience is temporary in the sense that on that day when Jesus returns, the only light we'll need, the true light, the light that gives light to everyone, the light that has an eternal power source, the light that has power that matters, was coming into the world. See, when you look at at verse 9, it says, The true light, which was enlightening everyone, was coming into the world. He gives light to everyone. That idea gives, I think, shows us, it's it's a vital part of what we need to look at this morning. It says, which enlightens everyone. You can say, uh, gives light to everyone. It's the same deal. But we see the grace of God here. God knowing that mankind had no hope for true light in this world gave to us a light, gave to us a way. God, God had already given all mankind a physical light given us sun and moon so that we may have evening and morning, so that we may have common grace. He didn't restrict who he gave light to. He gave light to uh, all mankind. But it wasn't the same in the sense of spiritual light. Yes, his spiritual light shined for everyone to see, to know that he would be king To know that he was the true light. But some have resisted the light. But none have overcome it. You see, God has given the knowledge of himself to everyone. I think that's what this verse is saying. The true light which enlightens everyone in, in us in some way because of creation, because now of Jesus. There is no excuse. We've been given a knowledge of God, but not salvation. Not everyone has been given salvation. You see, the amazing announcement that John is telling us about in the book that we're reading, that John the baptizer was pointing everyone to, is that Jesus was this true light. That Jesus was coming into the world. And I think that's the next thing we need to look at. This phrase, coming into the world, it's noteworthy because in the Bible it's only referred to when it's talking about the birth of Jesus. Just say it again as I read it, was coming into the world. Think about that. 
If you're coming into the world, that means Jesus must have been otherworldly, right? A supernatural thing is occurring in the text. Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Jesus has always been God, will always be God, and will never not be God. This is an example, I think, of God's omnipotence, his all-powerfulness, that this true light has always been and it will forever be enough. But because of sin, God sent his one and only begotten son into the world to save sinners. You see, he shined the true light into humanity to show them there is a way. Jesus was the light that everyone needed, that God was giving to the world. To, he was giving it to everyone, even though not everyone would accept him. He was giving the world true light by coming into this dark place. This is what makes the incarnation so stupendous, so awesome. So awe-inspiring, so startling, that God of very God, light of very light, was coming into our dark world. It reminds me of last weekend, as I got to play a shepherd watching over his flock by night. It reminds me of Luke 2, when the angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord, the light of God shone around them. You remember Luke 2, right? Anybody watch Charlie Brown's Christmas? <laughs> and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And what happened? An angel of the Lord appeared. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, that great joy will be for all people, to everyone. You skip down to the end of the chapter, and it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace, accepting to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I just want to read to you something that I, I, I was reading a lot this week and uh, reminded that I'm getting really old and have to wear my readers 
because my eyes get tired. So I was watching a video about the difference between light and darkness. It was from a teaching series that D.A. Horton did uh, called Awaken. And it was contrasting uh, this idea that we're talking about, about the true light and darkness. I just want you to listen and, and just try to hear those of you that have been in church, those of you who read your Bible, those of you that know Scripture, try to hear how many Scripture references you can hear as I read this next uh, transcript, as it were, were, from this video. The light has entered the darkness. Jesus, the firstborn among many in the kingdom of God. Jesus, the light of the world, the good news of great joy. That we have a hope that will lead us out of the darkness. In the beginning, darkness covers the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And the true light, which gives light to everyone, came into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. It is a light for the lost, the searching and the seeking, a light for the darkest valley, a light to drive out fear. Even in the shadow of death, when we believe in the light, we become children of the light. The light shines in us and through us, and if we walk in the light, if we let it shine before others, we become a city on a hill, the light of the world. When we let his word light our path, others will follow We become a beacon of hope to a world in darkness. Our lives reflect the glory of his resurrection. He makes us a light for the nations so that his salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Let there be light. For at once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So, how does this translate for us at New Hope? You know, we we have a mission that we've kind of laid out before the congregation over the last several years that we want to be a church planting church, that we want to be a church that is focused on, on planting other church planting churches. How does this verse illustrate that? As I talked about in the beginning, I think it shows us the kingdom of God is at hand. The moment Jesus burst onto the scene on that Christmas morning is the moment that we see the kingdom of Satan, who was the former ruler of this world, who had been ruling and controlling, was confronted and utterly confounded by our King, by our Redeemer, by our Redeemer, by our Savior, by the true light. The true light was announcing to the darkness, your time is done. You are defeated. You will have limited power. My light has the ultimate power. And through Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension and current ruling and reigning, we see that Jesus is the victor. 
that his church of which he is head, our covenant family of which he is the firstborn, that his light has enlightened everyone. You see, we as the church gather together weekly, corporately, not just here at New Hope, but all over. Like cities on a hill, shining brightly, displaying the power of God's word, proclaiming the mysteries of the gospel, proclaiming reconciliation for the broken, giving hope to a dark world, hearkening, begging, pleading with our lost family members and friends, come to the light. Step into the light that never fades. Come clean with your imperfections and your flaws and know that you can be totally accepted. Quit hiding and covering and realize that the glory of God is so much greater, so much more complete and so much more comforting and so much more freeing to live for because of Jesus. As we leave church each week, we... We're able to understand that those that have received Jesus, those that have trusted Christ, those that have uh, put their faith in him for salvation, carry this light in us. This true light is something that he imparts to us and, and he gives us and through us this life that is the light of Christ, the true light. You see, the true light is able to pierce your darkness. It's able to to get in through your brokenness. And through our brokenness, we're able to share the love of Christ with others. As we do the things that we're called to do, we realize we're working for the Lord and not for men. People will start to see in you the light of Christ. Richard talked about this last week. In, in a pre-evangelistic way, we are able to shine as candles in the darkness. But as we grow as a church, the light of Christ spreads. It starts to push out the darkness. As the kingdom of God advances, as church plants pop up, one city after another city after another city, God's mission is being accomplished. You see, He gets the glory His glory continues to fill the earth until it is on earth as it is in heaven. Which is his prayer. Until that day. Until all things have been consummated. Until all things have been made new. And we only need the one true light. Calvin says it this way that From this light the rays are diffused over all mankind. As I've already said, for we know that men have this peculiar excellence which raises them above other animals, that they are endued with reason and intelligence and that they carry the distinction between right and wrong engraven on their conscience. There is no man, therefore, whom some perception of the eternal light does not reach. But as there are fanatics who rashly strain and torture this passage so as to infer from it that the grace of illumination is equally offered to all, let us remember 
that the only subject here treated is the common light of nature, which is far inferior to faith. For never will any man, by all the acuteness and sagacity of his own mind, penetrate into the kingdom of God. It is the Spirit of God alone who opens the gates of heaven to the elect. Next, let us remember that the light of reason which God implanted in men has been so obscured by sin that it admits the thick darkness and the shocking ignorance and gulf of errors. There are hardly a few shining sparks that are not utterly extinguished. Church, this is why we pray. This is why we must pray. As we look at verses 10 and 11 you're going to see the darkness of men's souls. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. See, Jesus came to the world because he knew knew they needed to know him. Yes, the world knew of Jesus. They knew of a man named Jesus, but they did not know him. Their souls were still darkened. They were looking for something else. They were counting on something else. I think verses 10 and 11 remind us that Jesus has always been with God, that the pre-incarnate word has always been Jesus. He was in the world. It also reminds us that Jesus has an awesome ability of power, that he was intimately involved and present in creation. Remember, John refers to Jesus as the word earlier in this chapter here he reiterates that the world was made through him you see that in the first part of john in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him in jesus was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was so involved in us being created, he breathed life into our nostrils. His life is the light that we have inside of us. His light shines into the darkness, and we can be assured that the darkness will not overcome it. Even though all mankind was affected by the fall and all our souls long after darkness, God made a way for us. But our souls are so dark that unless the life-giving Spirit gives us the light of Christ, unless the light of Christ is poured into our souls, unless our darkened eyes and ears are unveiled by the light of His glory, Unless the Holy Spirit awakens your souls today and gives you the faith to believe, it will be like the Jews of Jesus' day. You'll be like so many people today who've been enlightened, who know who Jesus is, who've heard about him, but have not received him by faith. 
And even though Jesus has always been, the world did not know him. Even though Jesus came to his own people, to Israel, even though Jesus submitted himself to become humbly born in a manger, to become fully human, he came to all of mankind. He came to his own creation. There are some who did not receive him. Then we see in the second half of verse 11. Let me just read verse 11 for us. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The way that I read this verse is that Jesus came to all of humanity. But his own people, the Jewish people, did not receive him. For the most part, it's not saying that every Jewish person did not receive Christ. It's saying that there was a large portion of his own people who rejected that he was the Messiah. Another reason to pray. There are a lot of people who haven't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior There are many today who are waiting for a Messiah of one kind or another to appear. There are people who are waiting for something to save them out of the darkness. I'm here to tell you there's only one true light. And He has come. And His name is Jesus. He was in the world, invisibly present, renewing and sustaining all of His creation, which He made by the power of His Word, And even though men may not have known him, they should have known him by the glory that is in and of this world. And so he came visibly in his flesh. He came and walked and lived among his people so that they might know him, so that they might see him, so they might understand him. Calvin says, what can be more unreasonable than to draw water from a running stream and never to think of the fountain from which that stream flows? The whole may be summed up by saying that never was Christ in such a manner absent from the world, but that men aroused by his rays ought to have raised their eyes towards him. Hence, it is to follow that the blame must be imputed to themselves. There's some good news, though, I think, about our brokenness. There's some good news about our fallenness. We're sinners. You may not want to celebrate that fact, but I think we need to. We are sinners. Have you ever thought about it? Why is that good news? Pastor, I came to church to be good. Preacher, I came to tell you to tell me that I'm going to be okay. No, you're a sinner. And so am I. And that's good news. Because Jesus came to save sinners. If you think you're okay like the Jews and the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day, then you don't need Jesus. And that's not okay. 
Your darkened soul doesn't see the need for rescue. And I pray that you would step into the light. I pray that God's word would enlighten you. I pray that the word that became flesh would allow you to see your sinful, needy, filthy deeds exposed so that you can revel in the reality that God offers you a new birth. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he says you can be born again. That you can put to death your fleshly desires. And you can walk by the power of the Holy Spirit by give, be given a new heart that's able to believe. By be given a new heart that's able to have faith in Jesus. You see, not only does he save you, but he brings you in and he adopts you. He says you're able to become children of God because we come to know that we've been born of God and not of man. Three Calvin quotes in one sermon. I mean, come on. You know, but here's one more. He says Christ exhibited an astonishing instance of his grace in conferring this honor on such persons so that they began all at once to be sons of God. And the greatness of this privilege is justly extolled by the evangelist John here, as also by Paul in Ephesians 2, 4, when he ascribes it to God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he has loved us. The last thing I want to share with you is the hope. Is the hope that you have. We have the true light, the power of the true light. You have darkened souls of humanity, but there's there's a greater hope. And it's our grace-based, faith-filled adoption. Look at verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the, of the will of man, but of God. You see, despite our fallenness, despite our hopelessness to save ourselves, John is saying there's a true light. There's one that's able not in spite of your brokenness, but because of your brokenness. To shine light into your deepest hurts. Hear me this, Christian. It's not just a, a salvation message. If you're already saved this morning, you may be like, that's great, Dave. I'm going to tell my lost friend to listen to your sermon because they need to know about Jesus. No, you need to know about Jesus. All of us have dark, hurting spots. And on your darkest night, the place in your soul that you didn't want to go this week because you didn't even want to think about it. Jesus is the true light. And he wants to shine in there so that you know there's a possibility to be transformed from one degree of glory to another. You see, he's already taken you from children of darkness 
to children of light. You, you are children of the living God. For those of you that have received him and trusted in his name and believed in his name, it says by the authority of Jesus, you are now able to represent him. Not as a member of a club, not as uh, a worker, but as a child. He says, you are mine. He grants you that right. He says, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, we have 100% grace-based, 100% faith-filled adoption. We didn't have a choice. We're dead in darkness, and 100% of God's grace said, I will rescue them. How do we believe? I will give you the power to believe. We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. God's gracious act of sending His Son to be the one that conquers the power of sin and death, that fills us with this marvelous grace, who gives us holiness that enables us to have new hearts. Hearts that love and believe. If you've accepted Christ, you've been reborn. You've been born again, not of the will of flesh or the blood of man, but of God. You see, our purpose is far greater than any human, any human plan, any human action, any human thought. We've been adopted into the family of God. We can call him friend and we can call him savior. He's able to make us part of his family so that even if you've never belonged, you belong here. If your heart has always been angry or condemned and you've never felt loved, you can feel loved and comforted and calmed here. Maybe today is the day that God is using the word to become the light that you need to see. Maybe the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart, awakening you to the reality that you're being adopted by God even now. I pray that he would grant you salvation today. I pray that you would rejoice I pray that you would know what it's like to become a child of God. But as many received him, whether Jew or Gentile, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To them that believed in his name, who were born not of blood. They weren't born uh, from, it didn't matter if they were from Abraham or Moses or David or anyone else nor of the flesh. It wasn't because of who their parents were or, or which line uh, of family member they had or any plan of man, but because they were born of God. So what? So what does all this matter? 
Maybe you've been a believer for years and you've heard this and you know this and you've lived this. What does this mean? What does this mean for you today? Maybe you've never trusted in Christ. Maybe you don't know what it means to be a child of God or be a part of a family or to even understand that somebody could help you with your troubles. What's your takeaway? I hope you'll hear this and I hope you'll do this. Pray. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe you don't think you're a good prayer. All you have to do is call out to the Lord. And I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would spend time this week praying this. For those of you that don't know Jesus, pray that His light would shine deeply into your darkened hearts. Say, Lord, I don't know you. I don't know if you can love me. I don't know if I'm even lovable. But I pray that if this is true, you would show me. That your true light would would give me a new life and give me a new heart. And if you've already been uh, made aware of your darkened heart, if you've already confessed your sin and put your faith and your trust in Jesus, I pray that you would spend spend time praying for people specifically. Maybe you're too young to, to have an idea of who knows Jesus and who doesn't. Maybe you you don't have a whole bunch of friend groups. I'll give you names of people. Spend time praying specifically by name. Look to your left. Look to your right. Ask your friends in in the pew, who can I pray for? How can I be praying specifically that God would send His Holy Spirit to give new life to people in our midst? Pray. Pray that God would use you to be a light in this dark world when you walk through those doors. Pray that what you think and that what you say and that what you do would be such a light pointing to Jesus that people would see the true light. Be like John the baptizer and point people to Jesus. How can you point people to Jesus? Through quick repentance through quick forgiveness, through being a light, by gently loving your neighbor as you shine a light into their hopelessness, you're able to show them where your light originates from. Say, hey, that wasn't from me. A few years ago, I probably wouldn't have acted this way. But because the true light of Jesus shines in me, the everlasting light, because I know who King Jesus is, I can love you in that way. Will you do that, church? Will you pray? Let's pray. Oh, God. At this time of year, we remember how innocently and how beautifully and how wonderfully your light came into the world. I think sometimes we forget that you are the true light, which has enlightened everyone, and that you have come into the world. Oh God, may our hearts 
and our minds and our actions reflect the true light of Jesus. I pray that people would ask everyone here today at some point this week, what makes you tick? What makes you care? What makes you do that? And that everyone here would be able to say, I have a light source, a true light that never goes out. He's my best friend. He can be yours. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen.